going to spend just a few minutes talking about the role of a pastor, and then we're going to spend some time praying over Benny and Angie. Okay? Um, in Isaiah 61, the prophet had given out a call and saying, this is what God wants to have done. And Jesus, when he was in the synagogue, was reading this passage, and he says, today this is fulfilled in your eyes. And there's a, a, a declaration going out that God truly wants people to be set free. And he wants the downhearted to be comforted. He wants them to be encouraged. Uh, he wants this decree to go out that there's freedom for those who feel in bondage and captive. And, and so with that, Jesus was declaring, this is what the kingdom is about. This is what we're a part of. And, and so when this message is embodied in the congregation or in the church, there are still there are those who may need to make that declaration and keep it in front of the group. And that's part of the role of a pastor. And it says in Ephesians chapter 4 that God appointed different ones to that leadership role within a congregation. You know, he said he appointed apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And he says, for the building up of the body. And so there's this recognition that even in the group, God assigns certain ones to certain roles so that they can encourage the rest and strengthen the rest. And that's what we're looking at even this morning. In 1 Timothy, Paul was calling Timothy to appoint different ones uh, over the towns where they had brought people to Christ and they were developing the early church. And, and there were some things that he said, I want you to look for these things. And it's important to note that he wasn't just looking for charisma, but he was looking for character. That he was saying, I want you to identify people that fulfill these boundaries, and then we'll talk about the role. So he goes on and says, it's a good thing if somebody aspires to do this. I mean, it's, it's a good thing in the Lord that somebody would want to do this. I was talking with Benny earlier this week, and we were just talking about both of us and our sense of call that we'd had to ministry. And, and I think for both of us, there's a sense of our lives are marked from childhood on. There's an awareness in you that something's different. And maybe you see things a little differently than, than other people see them. And, and there's a tenderness toward God that maybe not everybody has around you. But it, it was there. And, uh, you know, I, we were, as we discussed that, I was thinking, yeah, it's, it's good to have that sense, but it's got to be developed, right, through life. And so he says it's a good thing, but he, he goes on to say that overseer needs to be above reproach, husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, an able teacher, not a drunkard, not violent, <laughs> but gentle, not contentious, free from the love of money. And so he just gives a list of things that just says, this, these are the character things that, that stand out to me that I, I want as a part of these leaders. So look for people that are, are doing that. He must manage his own household well and keep his children in control without losing his dignity. <laughs> Enjoy, brother. <laughs> it just 
basically saying, if you, can, if you can do that in your own household, there's a chance that you can do that with the church as well. And uh, it's, it's a challenge in every household, right? But it's that learning ground in that place to develop. Um, it says he must not be a recent convert, or he may become arrogant and fall into the punishment that the devil will exact. I'm, I'm going to tell a story. When Benny first came to college, um, I watched he and some others participate in a ministry that wasn't particularly well led, and I grieved over him that first year. I, I didn't feel that ethically I could step in and provide leadership that they needed, but at the same time, I, I, it just really, really bothered me what I was watching. It gave them more room to develop their leadership skills, I will say that. Um, but also, about the time that Benny started coming to the thing that we were doing, um, initially, I didn't like him. Um, I, I thought he was a smart aleck. Um, now, he would, he would ask challenging questions virtually every meeting. And I, wasn't sh I didn't really think he was looking for answers as much as saying, do you know your stuff? Now, I may have misinterpreted that, but that was the impression I got. And I'm going, that's kind of a pain for every meeting I come to, right? And that said, um, his first few experiences out of college beat the snot out of him. You know? Uh, we don't have to necessarily fix people. God has a way of doing that. But if I were to leave the story there, it would be far short of what should be told. Because some years later, I got this call, and he says, you know, during college, was I kind of a pain? And I went, yep. And he apologized. I can count on one hand the number of times I've had that experience. But it said something to me, you know, that, and, and what I see in, in Benny now is a confident man, but not confident in his own abilities, but confident in God. And we want that. So God honed, and, you know, the backstory is he's been a leader from grade school on. That part I didn't know. So he came, in a sense, to college already leading. But, you know, all I saw was the, the confident kid who thinks he knows everything. That was my interpretation. So, over time, God has honed his giftings and abilities and taken him through numerous experiences that set him up for this so that I can happily hand off something that's been precious to me and say, yeah, here's a person that has ability, here's a person that has character, here's a person that fits the role of what I think needs to happen here. So that's, that's a beautiful thing. Um, it also says that that person in 1 Timothy 3.7, he must be well thought of by those outside the faith so they won't fall into disgrace. In other words, he needs to have a good name in the community. 
They need to see somebody that they can respect as well. In the fourth chapter, he says, let no one look down on you, um, but set an example for believers in your speech, conduct, love, faithfulness, and purity. That's something that is ongoing, right? You know, he, Paul's writing to Timothy saying, you're young, but this still needs to be a part of your life. And it, it never leaves you, particularly if you're going to fulfill this role well. And he says, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. He says, those are some of the things you're going to be carrying out. And then he says, do not neglect the spiritual gift you have given you and confirmed by prophetic words when the elders laid hands on you. Take pains to do these things. Be absorbed with them, it says. You know, in other words, let this be your focus. And everyone will see your progress. Be conscientious how you live and what you teach. Persevere in this because by doing so, you'll save both yourself and those who listen to you. So if, if he continues in this path, it just says, if this becomes his preoccupation, so to speak, it bodes well for him and for us. One final note out of that book. It says, elders who provide effective leadership must be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard in speaking and teaching. It says the worker deserves his pay. That's the role of this group, right? Make sure we do it well. First Peter. He addresses things a little bit differently, but he takes the imagery of a shepherd. And, you know, we're not shepherds in this group, but we know enough of the story to understand what was involved with it, right? A shepherd would look after the flock and guide them where they needed to go. And he says, give a shepherd's care to God's flock among you, exercising oversight. Not merely as a duty, but willingly under God's direction. Not shameful for shameful profit, but eagerly. He says, don't get caught up in the finance of it. Get caught up in serving because that's what God's called you to do. Don't lord it over those entrusted to you. Be examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that never fades away. So you're doing it for the Lord, first and foremost. I want to read Psalm 23, just in conclusion, connected to this. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. So this is the example that's being laid down. He takes me to lush pastures, he leads me to refreshing water, he restores my strength. He leads me down right paths for the sake of his reputation. In other words, the, the, the well-being of the flock speaks to the shepherd. And there's an acknowledgement that he provides what's necessary for them to flourish. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff reassure me. I know that you protect me. 
you look out for me. You prepare a feast before me in plain sight of my enemies. There are others that don't like what's going on in my life, but you don't care about that. You provide it in spite of that. You allow us to celebrate, even though not all are celebrating. You refresh my head with oil. My cup is completely full. Surely your goodness and faithfulness will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord. (laughs) I can read what's written, but I quote what's there. (laughs) I will live in the Lord's house for the rest of my life. What an awesome thing. And it's our privilege today to, you know, we've, we've said so that community knows we have voted. But really what we're doing is we're acknowledging what God has done in our midst. And we're ordaining, anointing, we're saying this is a man that God's brought to our midst to accomplish the work of ministry in this moment to pastor us. And so we're going to celebrate that together and pray over him. And uh, an interesting thing came out this week. The, uh, Benny was meeting with the, the kids, and uh, he said, well, can we anoint him? And uh, he comes, and we're going, well, why not? The idea of anointing, um, it, it goes way back. Moses anointed Aaron for the priesthood, poured oil on him. It's a recognition of the, of the presence of God coming into and over a person. Oil was associated with refreshment and healing for centuries. And so in some ways we're saying, ways we're saying we want the presence of God to, to fill this person in a way that brings healing and refreshment to all those around. And we're asking that as we do a physical enactment, that we're asking the Lord to do what we're physically demonstrating. And so as we anoint in oil, um, what we're saying is, Holy Spirit, flow over this person. It, it, in David, when Samuel anointed him, it says the Holy Spirit came on him with great power from that day on. So even in the act, something transpired within the being of David. And so when we're coming, we're not just doing a drama. We're asking God to empower and enable to carry out the work of ministry in a wondrous way through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to walk in your kingdom and all the fullness that's available. As each one goes into the community, I ask that you give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. 
gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen.